Before we start this episode, I'd like to thank you for your continued support of the Nowhere Fast podcast. If you have a minute or two to spare, and you've been enjoying these interviews, please consider leaving a rating or review. If you liked a specific episode, share it with your friends. It really helps spread awareness, and helps a whole new audience find the show. For any other information you might need, visit www.nowherefaststudio.com. Once again, thank you for listening. Enjoy the episode, and enjoy the rest of your week. That was that was something. <laughs> that seems like something they could have prevented, like yeah. multiple times. In like, that's a weird thing to donate, but then it's a weird thing to like put through all the channels for it to get from the donation bin to the shelf. Like that could yeah. have easily been avoided. Yeah, I mean, you'd be surprised what folks find these days there. And I feel like because of the amount of things that people donate, um, the process of kind of identifying something and putting it on the shelf is so, like, it's, it's, it's something that's not really considered these days. So the fact that I, like, finding an urn, <laughs> they're like, well, like, yeah. But at the same time, it was, like, at, at first glance, it was just a box, and you're like, okay, that's a nice-looking box, like, above-average-looking container, and you're like, oh, there's a person or an animal in this, and I'm just going to leave it by there. <laughs> and I remember I had to talk to, like, a manager, and I was like, um, just letting you know that there might be an urn with ashes in this thing. Um, just an FYI. <laughs> Where did they seem like phased by that at all, or it's just like normal to them? I think I think I think the manager like thought I was joking at first, <laughs> and um, she was like, "No," nah. <laughs> I'm like, "No," like this looks like it. I'm pretty sure. And um, she went away, grabbed it, and uh, never heard of that again. <laughs> yeah, I wonder, like. That's terrible that they would let that hit the shelves. But I wonder if she was like more embarrassed than anything, right? Like just knowing that that got out there under her supervision. Yeah, you would you would imagine, right? But like I said, like urns and um, I would say adult toys I've seen at the thrift store. So it's like. There's a lot of things that you would you would imagine it would be kind of flagged. And you're like, why is this here? Like, this is just out in the open. Like, that's so fascinating that I was like, was, uh, that's why, like, you know what? Maybe wearing gloves is the ideal thing. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, after, after hearing that, I think it's probably the only way to do things. <laughs> yeah. That's funny. I, I have a... Uh like a little list of things that I wanted to ask you about. And one of them was what's, what's the weirdest thing you've seen while hunting. And I didn't know how I would be able to fit it into the talk without it seeming like really 
forced like you know just randomly like what's something weird you found but i guess you actually found a way for me to just slip it in kind of <laughs> out of order but like obviously that's one of the weirder things you found do you have any other any memories of like really weird things you've seen there i think the weirdest things i've the urn is definitely like number one definitely seeing like butt plugs is the craziest shit because like it, that's something you don't imagine like 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 you most people know what it would look like and you're looking at it and you're like oh <laughs> please don't be used please don't be used please don't be used you know um so <laughs> again that one's weird because it seems like something like that shouldn't make it through like all the all the checks before it hits the shelf but also if if you're in the market for something like that it seems like a value village or a goodwill is not not really the place to shop for that type of thing like you you don't want to have that second hand i would assume yeah um oh for sure um i'm trying to think of something else i think the i would say not the weirdest but there there are things that are like like creep me out per se um i remember uh finding a do you know who chris benoit is by chance yeah the, the wrestler yeah so you know edmonton famous i think worldwide famous for what he did but i found a shirt before he went from what he did and it like creeped me out because it was right before um the incident and like it like i looked at it and i didn't realize what it was and i picked it up because of the design was cool and a friend of mine mentioned like do you know who that is it's like no idea it's like it's like it's Chris Benoit. I'm like, oh my god! I really just buy this. <laughs> like, like, oh no. Um, so, did you end up copying, or you left it? I I bought it without knowing initially because his name wasn't on it. Um, so I sold it to a friend of mine because he he was gonna wear it to the gym. I'm like, ah, that okay? That's a pretty edgy shirt to wear, but apparently th- those type of things are pretty big. Uh the fine kind of murder memorabilia type things like OJ, like, like finding like, a, like a free OJ shirt or like um, uh, anything related to that in the nineties is pretty sought after. So I w- I'm not surprised that that Chris Benoit shirt was like a friend of mine bought it right away type thing. Have you uh, like, have you ever spent any time googling it like did you actually find out how much it it could be worth or you just wanted to kind of rid yourself of it (laughs) i think after that because like i think it was worth you know maybe like 60 bucks per se but because of knowing knowing what he did it kind of like tainted it and made, made me feel like uh a more a moral a moral thing it's hard to explain it's like this feels weird to to sell so i'm just gonna give it to a friend for like five bucks type thing so that's what i did yeah no no i i know exactly what you mean just like uh an off feeling i have those not all the time but yeah ones that i can't really describe i just don't want to be involved really in in whatever this sort of thing is creating so yeah, I I mean I've 
I've never found any Chris Benoit murder memorabilia, but I can I can sympathize with just wanting to get out of the situation entirely. I was gonna say, you know, like seeing any like Marilyn Manson or like like I've seen 9-11ts, which is the funniest thing. Like not even like memorial stuff, just like conspiracy related like things. And you're like, this is really weird. And to sell this would be just be really like mentally messed up. Like I can't imagine like putting this on Grails and saying titling it 9-11 memorial tea in quotations. Like that'd be just weird. <laughs> I, I always think about how, I guess, weird is the perfect word. Just the fact that an item like that made its way all the way here. Like a, a 9-11, whatever, like pro or anti, any merch about a uh, moment in New York making its way all the way to Alberta to one of our thrifts. That like the, just the journey it's been on, I... I kind of like to think about that sometimes and how, you know, just how many people have had it within the 20 years since 9-11 or was it like someone who really believed what the shirt stood for at one point, but now they kind of snapped out of it and they had to like donate it. Yeah. Like recently I found a 2008 Obama election tee here somewhere. And I was, and I'm like thinking to myself, like, this is pretty far from home. Like no one in Edmonton should be opening this shirt, you know? And you're like, how on earth did this even end up in, in Northern Alberta? And I found out um, based off some digging that I believe that when it comes to um, stores like Valley Village and Goodwill and stuff like that in the city. So a lot of the stuff kind of migrate from warehouses and is kind of just spread from different places. So I think seeing something like a 9-11 tea or like an Obama tea in here, to me, it's like as strange as it sounds, like because like Savers, Valley Village, all those places kind of operate in the same system. Um, and the amount of things being donated, it just kind of gets spread around into different directions. So to see something in the future, like, you never know, you might see a Nowhere Fast hoodie in, like, Texas. And you're like, huh, that's weird. And you're like, oh, okay, probably because the, uh, how, the, how their, their operation works is that they just, they just have trucks and just deliver it to random directions, basically. Yeah, that, I mean, that makes total sense it's less interesting i like to think like someone from the states was in edmonton for the summer staying with like a a, a long lost relative and they brought an obama shirt sure. and they, they left it at east glen pool <laughs> yeah that would that 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 to me sounds way more of an interesting story than um a warehouse is filled with Obama tea. <laughs> do, do you know, like, how much... I guess I can kind of spin this into a broader question. When you're looking for items, do you, like, look up what they're worth? Like, whenever I go... I don't go that often, but Sarah and I get 
Yeah, the inkling every once in a while to go look for like books, records, old DVDs, that type of stuff. And whenever I'm like at any thrift store, you can see almost everyone in the building is like on their phone Googling whatever they're looking at. Do you like, do you look up the worth of things or are you more looking for personal items like for yourself? So it doesn't matter. You know, for me, I have this rule to myself where when I thrift something, especially clothing, um, if it fits me and I like it, I'll always buy it for myself first. Um, then if it's something like a smaller size, I always ask around um, in my friend groups and stuff like that, like, hey, would you guys would want this type thing? And if that doesn't work out, then I see the values, like, is this even, is, is there even any, like, monetary value um, to the shirt and stuff like that? But I would say I do check the value of, of items, but it's not, the, it's not the priority to me. Like, most of the time, like, a cool shirt that you find might be worth $10 compared to, um like a really ugly Nirvana tea from the nineties, you know what I mean? But the most important thing is that it's something I like personally. Um, but, you know, going to what you were saying that everyone was on their phone. Yeah. That's, that's just common these days. Um, I do that to be honest. Like if you ever see someone literally like they just pause out of nowhere at a store and they're just like scrolling, they probably used an app called Google lens. So I would say this is like every thrift person's um, uh, key app. So basically, um, Google Lens, you could take a photo of something and it just kind of goes through the algorithm of like similar items. And generally what people do is that they take a picture of something, it goes through and they see the, the, the general value on eBay. And that's how a lot of people base off their prices. Um, so because of that app, I'm telling you, a lot of people have been more in in the stores selling. Um, but for me, like I said, it's not like that's not the priority for me, like selling stuff. It's like it's only if I really need to sell something or I want to save up for like a trip for something. Is that when I kind of go into like a certain mode? Does that that Google Lens thing? Is it like pulling? info from the google database like what what information is it accessing when you take a photo of an item so if i was taking a photo of like a vintage hat it will like scan the item itself and it will show similar images and generally it's pretty accurate if you have something very vague like um like if i searched up an item and it was just like a black hoodie with white text generally um it'll be kind of harder because it kind of goes by, more by design not by like font and by font so if i searched up for example like a nowhere fast hoodie um like a like a logo uh, with google lens it will most likely not capture it just because there isn't like a full like kind of slogan attached to it type thing like a, a logo but if I searched up um, like a Blue Jays hat, for example, right away, it will it'll catch on to it and will kind of do like, I don't know what kind of AI processing it does or any kind of like what, what Google does, but it captures it really good. How, how like recent of a, like when did this app get introduced to the public? That's a good question. 
Um, I only knew about it because a friend of mine, um, uh, Jeremy, I go through vintage. He was mentioning one time when we were at the bins, um, and he was like, "Oh, like if you need to search something up, like just go use this app." It's like, "Oh, that's fascinating," and like I tried it, and it's really, really good. Like amazing. Like I, I for example, have a like a nineteen. 92 Blue Jays World Champions cap and I, I I did a scan of it and was able to find a listing really quickly of that exact hat on eBay which was like well that's kind of scary but really convenient especially for for resellers and, and thrifters these days like if you're looking for something very specific it's um I would say without this a lot of people would, would have no idea what something is valued at that that's really cool one of my one of the other questions i've jotted down is without you know going into your bag of of secrets but just how do you or how do your like peers determine how much something is worth but i guess that it like is that kind of the main way that most resellers would determine value I would say a lot of people, especially for vintage, um, they kind of go looking at other stores. Like, you know, there's a lot of vintage stores in Edmonton. And what they would do is that they would look at like a price of, I don't know, a Carhartt jacket. Um, so they would kind of do a similar kind of price range to that. And those guys at the stores, I'm assuming what they would do is that they would go on Grailed and check like the, the prices on like, how much a jacket of the same kind of thing on Grailed and see like the sold listings it's kind of determine how much like their jacket is kind of worth um going to what you were asking like how they would know like if something is value valuable per se um there's so many guides online um indicating like by tags of like, what is considered value like vintage champion, for example, like from 1950s to 70s, is worth five to seven times more, I would say, than something in modern champion. But you would only know that if you actually had a guide to see like what the tanks look like and stuff like that. So I would say over the years, especially the past 10 years, there have been so many more guides on uh, on vintage stuff because the interest has been kind of booming in the past, especially for the past five years um, on vintage. So to get, in, to get into it and to start selling is kind of, we live in the golden age, I would say, of, of thrifting at the moment. Okay, so, I mean, this is perfect. I'm a little, I eased into the combo a bit differently than I usually do, maybe. So I would have, I think initially, thank you for doing this thank you for being here i know last time we or i don't know if it was last time one of the times we ran into each other you were kind of joking and saying if if i ever need a guest who knows a lot about thrifting to let you know and then yeah. after I was, Sarah and I were on the way home from that party and the idea was already kind of starting to like turn over in my head and I was just thinking, I've never, I've never talked to anyone about this and I know 
your knowledge and expertise is, you know, if there's one person to talk to, I think it would be you. So I, over the over time, got more and more obsessed with the idea of talking <laughs> to you. And then I know you were sick, and I was sick, and now we're here. Yeah. So thank you. Uh, the The first question was going to be. I know that you, this isn't your like job at all. It's more of a, like a, I don't know if it's a side hustle or a passion. What, what would you like if I, and I do have to title this. So what would you like your title to be? Like, are you a thrifter or like what, if it, one word to describe what you do, what would that be? <laughs> that's a that's a good question actually because i get a lot of nicknames of like what i do people call me thrift king and stuff like that my friend called me the bastard king of valley village and that's always stayed with me for some reason um but i would say more if i could describe myself in one word it's like i'm just a connoisseur of of used i loved used things but also i think I love like the thrill of the hunt. So like I would say I'm not a hunter per se of things, but I just like finding things. Like if I could if I could title myself as anything, it's like um the you know this is actually pretty hard <laughs> thinking of it now. Uh what what would you recommend? I know because it was hard for me, so I thought I'll I'll put this on you. So I know how hard it is, and I know that I put you on the spot to describe it. But if I pass it to you, there's no one you can pass it. <laughs> yeah, good point. Uh, I'm trying to think. Uh, so what what do other folks in the podcast kind of like? Give me an example of what someone else would say. If uh... see, like you're you're the the first one of. Uh, even like anything even close to thrifting you're the first one i've talked to oh, wow really so and i mean i'm sure in in all the guests i've been lucky enough to talk to a lot of them do go to the thrift store for sure but you're i think you're you're the first one who's actually speaking on this with any sort of like authority like your i know it, it's not your your full-time thing either which is actually what what kind of makes this difficult because i i have some friends and know some people who maybe would say they're thrifters or they're resellers but i think they they approach it a lot differently than i see you approach it yes i like thrifter maybe makes sense it like if i'll go with thrifter if you're okay with me going with thrifter yeah i'm okay with that honestly um i think that's general enough it kind of keeps people wondering like who is this thrifter <laughs> who's this guy in edmonton yeah i think I'm i'll i'll go with that and then it's all of this is gonna you know, this is like a bunch of questions at once, but also I wanted to ask, was there like, what, what happened? If you remember the first time that you were 
at a thrift store like you goodwill or value did you find something the first time that made you kind of fall in love with the whole process of this or has it always been like the thrill of the hunt as in like you're chasing finding an ideal item which happens I'm I'm sure that happens a lot less than everyone thinks right everyone thinks thrifters like hit the jackpot every day I assume it's not even close to that right no not even close um like I would say 90% of the time I don't find anything <laughs> which is like it's funny because you know on my on my story people would see I would post things and like oh he found a Dyson like today and stuff like that but um 90% of the time I don't buy the things I post um and sometimes it's like I would go for like two weeks finding not a single thing and I would go after work and still like for an hour kind of go through kind of go through the racks and and see maybe something mildly interesting but nothing that like gives me like the feeling of that thrill of finding something um but going to your question of like what kind of started this for me so when I was a kid so I grew up in Toronto I moved here about 10 years ago and when I was living with my parents, we used to go to Goodwill and Valley Village and like Salvation Armies and stuff like that when I was a kid. Because my, my parents are like immigrant parents, so we didn't have that much. So Goodwill and Valley Village, all these places were kind of affordable to find furniture and find clothes for us. Especially since like, you know, finding Abercrombie or Hollister stuff at Valley Village is so much cheaper than going into a mall and buying it new. Yeah. So ever since I was a kid, that would, you know, we would we would go to these stores. And, you know, I didn't even, this is something I actually you know, never told anybody, but, like, I didn't even know the full, the real name of Goodwill until I was, like, 16. Because they used to name it, um, they used to just call it our favorite store. Because we would always go. So we are like, favorite store so when i would google it i'm like what is this place like always a goodwill so ever since i was like in my teenagers like oh i had no idea it was kind of embedded in my head after going for like 10 years prior that like this was it but when i got older after you know going through the phase of like going with my parents i used to go alone when i was in high school there and back then i was really really into like um video game collecting i used to like i was a huge fanatic of finding like like nes super nes sega genesis sega dreamcast all those things so i would go there specifically for those things and i had pretty good luck back then because back then the market was so much easier so when I moved here. I, I I left all my stuff in Toronto, and sadly, my mom forgot to pay for a storage thing. So now it's all gone. I have no idea whatever happened to it. And when I moved here, I remember um, a lot of my friends were into like fashion. So when I remember them taking me to Haven um, before, like right before they closed, 
and they're like, okay, this is what a Comedy Garçon shirt looks like. We could probably try to find one at the Valley Village. So um, the interest on finding clothes, I would say, sparked from there, from here. And it's weird because, like, I was really never into, like, clothing, per se. I did, I did have that phase of, like, listening to, like, uh, the strokes and, like, having that, like, American apparel type thing. Which, oh yeah. looking back, kind of looks terrible, <laughs> but you know, it's that phase into high fashion and high fashion phase into um, vintage eventually. So, uh, I would say that's basically where the where it started and where it's at now. Um, but I would say with the clothing over the years, I've definitely kind of moved on from like looking just for clothes. I'm I'm. I like the thrill, the hunt for basically anything that's interesting or memorable. So um, I love home goods. I love looking at like random books and like electronic stuff, especially electronics ever since I was a kid. Um, like the, the drive to find vintage like video games kind of came back to me for some reason. I don't know why, but, but yeah, that's pretty much my, my life story when it comes to my origin of, of, of thrift, I would say. That, I mean, super cool. I expected you might have, like, kind of a story, like, you went with a friend and found something really epic, but I like the idea of you just kind of, like, being almost, like, born into it. Like, it was just a normal thing for you to go, so it was kind of instilled in you that way. Do you you think at all, like, about maybe the fact, like, that you still love doing this, like, you go multiple times a week, is it, like, do you have, like, a spark for it still because what you're looking for has changed over the years? Like, if you were always looking for video games, like, since you were a kid until now, I wonder if that would get a little like stale and boring or if you were always looking for clothing if that would get boring but because you're able to like look for so many different things i wonder if that keeps it like fresh enough for you i think i think it does um i think i do see a lot of people having like really bad uh moments of like just not thrifting for a month because because they get so bored of it there's moments for me, for example, like I would go to a thrift store and not look at clothes, not even like I would go into a Valley Village, for example, look at electronics and leave in five minutes. <laughs> or sometimes it'd be the opposite where I would look through all the clothes um, and stay there for an hour and not look at anything else because I'm so focused on trying to find something. But yeah, like you said, like I think m my interests are so varied that like anything really excites me in the terms of like finding something interesting like some people have no idea that like there's vintage cameras around right that are worth money but you know they always kind of just kind of look at like a, a, a in one direction in the terms of like what is what is valuable or what is something that's cool so for me i would say i'm the jack of all trades when it comes to thrifting i'm not the best per se i would say when it comes to thing I know a lot of guys in the city that I, I do admire 
in terms of how how strict they are when it comes to like thrifting. So, but I would say for myself, I am the best in the most ra- best in finding the most random things. I would say. <laughs> I guess I mean maybe the answer is gonna be all over the place. But one of the the questions I've written down to ask you is when you like what's a the first section of the store like when you walk into a value village where do you go first that's a good question actually oh you know what actually i think over the years has changed and depends who i'm with but if i'm by myself i always look for the cameras always i think i have that has always been ever since like when i was part of stratus especially um I think just finding vintage cameras is like just something that's always to me so cool and there's always value in the terms of like how much it's worth but also in using it so I always go there and if I could map myself out right now what I do I would say I go to cameras then I head to electronics then from electronics I go to men's jackets and from his men's jackets I go to men's jeans and from men's jeans i go to shirts shirts absolutely last which is to a lot of people which is really crazy because you know a lot of a lot of the kids these days right um they're looking for that that vintage nirvana shirt looking for that that rem shirt from from when their parents wore it type thing but for me if i was going to be taking it seriously in the terms of thing i would do the opposite i would go shirts first but um yeah definitely cameras first because i think i've definitely had the best luck with finding cameras um over the past few years especially since i found that um yashika t4 i think ever since then i I kind of been in that high of of, of cameras yeah that that when you found that that is wild to me because I I mean I I know the the monetary and just emotional value behind one of those things, but also uh back in the day, like uh, I guess not back in the day, but years ago, my friends and I would also we'd go to Value Village all the time but it was so much different than like what i i see people do these days we really were only into the cameras like we we were kind of part of the first wave of like the film revival maybe uh, maybe uh actually there were many waves before us but but like it wasn't as big when we were on it the first time so they're like kids don't believe us and i've i've said it on here before so if anyone's heard this before and i'm just an old old man yelling at cloud that's fine (laughs) but we used to find i'm i'm not even kidding there have been days where we found like five or six olympus stylus epics like in the same valley village and no one they were just always there like you could almost go to any valley village in north america and you would find at least one of those cameras and now 
what I've heard is they actually have kind of like a list of items that if they receive them, they aren't supposed to make it onto the shelves. And yeah. as as you were saying at the beginning, if if an urn can make it through that vetting process, I'm assuming cameras make it through every now and then. But yeah. I I thought it was virtually impossible to find a T4 these days because they knew they could just sell it on their own or do whatever they're doing with it instead of shelf it. So when you we found that one that that seemed like extra rare to me yeah this was i would say the luckiest set of like probably one of the greatest things i've found but also i think by circumstance because i found this at a salvation army in um in sherwood park so kind of out of the way for 90 percent of the folks in edmonton a lot of the a lot of the people like the kids aren't able to go all the way there and I remember looking there and just kind of being surprised that I saw it. I think I started shaking or something I was like this is random um but I think stores are definitely aware now I think back then Salvation Army wasn't so aware of like how the, the value of things so now like I went to one recently for example and it was definitely pricier for like a regular Yashika or even like a like a random no-name camera is, is still like they're just assuming prices based off like market value on eBay. So not the greatest thing. But I think the the, the company that is notorious for because you were mentioning how um all the Olympus cameras like you used to see so many of them before, but um, Goodwill has a site people don't know called Goodwill Finds and that's where all the good stuff go to so if you're ever at a Goodwill and you're like this place sucks there's nothing here it's because a lot of the good stuff gets gets sent to their online place and that's where most of the time where they get their money um, like it's kind of crazy how they're able to do that but I guess it is what it is, especially with how popular thrifting is these days. Um, it's just how it kind of evolved over the years. And I've never, never heard of that. Is it, it all like online and then it's all like shipped to you? Or is it each city has their own sector? I think it only is in, I think it's only one store there's multiple stores that have different product. So I believe it ships out. Don't, don't quote me on that per se, but um, yeah, if you ever search up Goodwill finds and you're looking at this, it's like, Oh, like right away. I'm, I'm, I'm looking at the uh, categories and video games and consoles, for example. Um, and there's 8,000 results, <laughs> which is like interesting to think about how many results there is considering um, like, most of this should be in, in stock at a Goodwill, not online, but it's, uh, like I said, it is, it is what it is. They're selling an untested Wii for $50. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> so it's kind of crazy how a lot of these stores could charge so much um, for an item that it is not even guaranteed to be working. Um, 
because I could trust me, I could tell you right now that the amount of things I've bought, electronics specifically, that I'm optimistic enough to know it would work and it end up not working. And Goodwill, for example, has a no, no return policy on electronics. I wasted a bit <laughs> on, on, on things. I won't be lying. Um, and it's just the unfortunate thing about thrifting in moments, I guess, is that there is a gamble to it. Not every kind of glimmer of sunshine is full sunshine type thing. And you will be taking L's to a degree in one point of your life or not. If, if you had to guess for like your entire career of thrifting, are you positive or negative? Like if you found more good things or made more money or have you like spent more money than you made back? I think I'm definitely in the positive because I think with the things I've been selling, um, I think my mar- the market that I did, like for example, um, I found like a steel case chair at Valley Village. I bought it for 20. I sold it to a, to um, a guy opening up an office for, I believe I sold it for 250 to 300. So one sale of that is kind of crazy. Um, but over the years, like, I think I've been becoming more responsible how much I've been spending. Because I realized that, you know, over time, thrifting has become very expensive. Um, like, comparatively, like, you could, you know, you could compare prices from, like, 10 years ago to now, and you would notice a drastic change. And, like, why is at Goodwill not a single shirt is under $6? Which is, like, something like that, right? So, I would say that um, if I was able to check how much I spent, I'd probably be embarrassed to to know to see. Um, but hopefully, I'm in the positive. I'm assuming I am, but that's just by like an assumption, honestly. That that's good because I was actually gonna ask how how precise are you? Like, do you have like spreadsheets of all the money spent and whatever? It sounds like. You're not not that like fickle about tracking and all right, and it's probably better. It's like you're saying it might like get in your head and really make you start thinking about wins and losses. Oh, for sure. Like you know, I I have friends that own thrift stores and stuff like that, or sorry, like um consignment like uh, vintage stores, and. If they didn't do that, I'd be very concerned. <laughs> um, especially since, like, you know, if, if it's your job to own a thrift store, or, sorry, a, a vintage store, uh, and you don't know how much you're kind of putting in, putting out type thing, I'd be scared. <laughs> but most of the time, I think the, their margins are really good. So kudos to all the dudes in Edmonton who have a vintage shop or are, have, like, pop-ups at stuff like that, because most of them are very nice, and most of them are they know what they're doing. I was actually going to ask what your kind of personal opinion is. Like, is there, there too much consignment stores or is there, like, does each store kind of uplift the whole community? Like, what's, what's, because I know White Ave has a ton of them all, like, in a really concentrated area. 
And I always wondered, like, is that good or bad? I'm sure it has, like, pros and cons. But what what's your thoughts on on the oversaturation? Or or is it oversaturation? I I will say this. So in the top of my head, I could think of four stores in that area. There's Wild Rose, there's From Another, there's the Come Up, and there's my friends in your store go through. Right. I would say um, they all kind of their positives of how what they do are pretty good. Um, and I would say most of them are fairly different from each other. Um, like for example, my friend Jeremy and Josh uh, with Go Through Vintage, um, the things that they sell is I would say fairly different from what from another sells um, to kind of make themselves different um, in the market. They sell more like very curated vintage items like military, military jackets, um, combat boots and stuff like that. Um, so um, from another at the, at the, um, at their fleet could be selling it. It's been a while since I've been there, but um, I would say from another is, is really good with selling, you know, hype stuff like, like, like hype vintage like really expensive teas and good for them for doing that. But um, I would say that there are a lot of them and it's not even, I would say, I wouldn't say it's on white specifically that it's like kind of uh, overloaded with, with folks. I think when you go to the markets, for example, you would see a lot of the same like dudes kind of selling the same things. Um, like I was at uh, the K-Days Vintage Market and I would say there's at least like 10 dudes there that would I recognize from the bins that are kind of there. Um, I would say that they did something that I've always wanted to do, to open a store, but I think my interest lies somewhere else than just opening a vintage store. I also wondered if you've ever considered like trying to turn this into a full-time job or are you happy with the balance you have now um i would say because i work in i work a very boring admin job so you know i work for a camera company funny enough. but still even with even with that knowing um i still do to a degree like my hours in the terms of like, I finish five, I go to the station, I drive my car to a Valley Village and I spend an hour there. Um, and I think I'm okay with, with that per se. Like I know owning a store, like you would understand this, like owning like a retail store is not a very easy thing. And it takes a lot more time and money um, to kind of make that a conceive conceivable thing. Um, I would say I did had ideas of wanting to to open a store before, but um, I think there is an oversaturation of folks going to stores that makes it very hard for me to believe that thrifting in the next 10 years will be something possible. With the prices, with the prices going up and just the amount of folks thrifting, like kudos to all the dudes doing it now. Like I said, this is like the golden time to be like buying a Carhartt jacket to sell it to a kid 
to make him look like electrician. <laughs> um, but in 10 years, I, I don't know if, if, if I will even have the passion, even like there will be, will there even be stock of vintage things from the nineties or even the two thousands to sell anymore. So, um, I think my hesitation lies in like kind of knowing the trends of things and just understanding that, um, owning a vintage store is all about finding things and there's nothing to find anymore in 10 years. Hmm. Um, is it worth it? Yeah. I, I wonder, like, I hear a lot of people kind of not even like leaning on, but I just hear a lot of people like in, in kind of the thrifting and the vintage industry using, the term like sustainable and sustainability i'm wondering if like i mean it being honest do you do this for sustainability at all or is it just because of your like kind of interest and like you're you're finding the thrill in the hunt you know because i i do see a lot of people saying it's sustainable and it, like the whole the logic of it is that it would be sustainable but i kind of see people using that word but then maybe not actually like practicing the sustainability of it all mm-hmm. like how, how do you actually like feel about that and do you do certain things to keep it sustainable or is that not really factored into the whole thing for you well for me i am a true hater of fast fashion like this is actually a good segue into this because um i hate fast fashion zara kick my ass i could i could kick its ass um bad terrible i'm like everything you can imagine with fast fashion I, i i despise um so like going to a thrift store and finding like a 19 or even a pair of denim like Levi's 501s for example like that itself would last me 10 times longer than a pair of Zara's so sustainability wise yeah like I do search for things of quality especially like for myself um I would say that it's fine but the thing is becoming really hard to do that especially with a lot of dudes buying stuff you know what I mean like Carhartt jackets, for example, right? Carhartt generally is very sought after in the thrift stores. It's very hard to find these days. And if you do, um, the stores are listing for $50. Dudes are selling it for $250 on Facebook. (laughs) So what are the options in the store, right? You're like, okay, if there's no Carhartt, there must be something. Then you're looking through the racks and you're like, wow, there's a Sheen and a Zara jacket for $30 here. Hmm. (laughs) So... I, I think, don't get me wrong, I think that uh, it's cool that dudes are buying like Carhartt and wearing it and stuff like that, but um, the problem with fast fashion, it's it's sinking into the community without people realizing, and in the next five, ten years, we'll be seeing less Carhartt and more Sheen <laughs> at the thrift stores because it's starting, um, and you know, no one wants to buy that. Now it's just staying in these stores and now it's just going to a landfill and stuff like that. So 
I advise any listeners of this podcast to not buy Sheen, please. <laughs> yeah, no, no. I I also advise that. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I'm I, as you said that the, the thought that kind of popped into my head is after I mean after you like see like you were talking earlier about champion like from the fifties to the seventies being worth more and and i assume that's because of like the quality and the craftsmanship going into it so you must like see kind of firsthand like how they used to make things and then how it like gradually just gets like almost the same brides are more expensive way less quality way less like craftsmanship does that that factor into your like hatred for all this new stuff as well just because it's not made like with nearly the care and attention to detail they used to make things with yeah it's just like you know like because there's so much clothing that goes into like and just things that goes into thrift stores like you get really sick and tired of seeing like a really bad gilded tea for ten dollars you know what I mean? Or like, like they're pricing these like really awful quality things from like Temu or something or um, from AliExpress. And they're like, like, how is this sweater that is clearly worth a quarter the same price as um, like a pair of like real denim jeans? Like it, it, it to me is just there's like a thing that just makes you kind of upset. You're like, who in these stores in Valley Village and all this stuff is like pricing these things the way that they're pricing it? Because there, cl- there clearly isn't like um, someone there who is specializing in, in terms of quality. Because it's all by like based off what I know, I know that most of the times they go by a list. So if it's like American Eagle, Hollister, all that stuff, there's a minimum, I believe, if there's no damages. Um, so it's 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 terrible <laughs> in that way i guess how like if you had to guess how quick are are these stores like how quick are they to react to trends like say you know there's probably even car there was a day where it wasn't as like trending and there's probably so much of it, and then all of a sudden it starts like to kind of pick up steam, and then it's worth a lot. And like, are they quick to raise their prices to like kind of offset everyone making money when they're not, or does it take them like a year or two to like catch up to like ground? I think they're aware. Like, I know these stores are aware because there was um there was a post I saw at one of the Goodwill bins in, I think it was in the States. And the sign said something like, resellers, you're here because we are here. Basically indicating that like, you wouldn't be making money without us and stuff like that. So like these companies are aware that people are reselling and stuff like that. So to offset it, they're def- they definitely hired people to kind of investigate in the terms of um, pricing. like. I was like Goodwill is notorious for just being so bad at pricing. I don't know what they do. And every store is so different. Um, like for example, I 
I found a pair of Tom Ford's uh, frames. Um, got them authentic authenticated. They're real. I bought them for $10.50. And this was at the Mayfield Goodwill. So that same day, I go to St. Albert um, Valley Village, and I see another pair. And they're, they listed that for $150. So there's definitely a disparity with... <laughs> With pricing and there's definitely a disparity of like what are, they're considering to be valuable per se and i'm just scared in the future that they're going to be naming all this sheen shit as like valuable and it's just going to completely offset everything and just make everyone be wearing garbage on their bodies because yeah i i don't want to ruin your weekend but just the thought of you know, in 20 years from now, is there going to be, like, vintage sheen and, like, vintage yeah. like that? Is, yeah. I mean, could happen because all this Y2K stuff that I see being pretty trending and expensive these days are things that I remember when they were around the first time and no one cared about them. You know, and like I, I probably had a whole closet full of, of what would be deemed like Y two K now, and my mom donated it, and we never like thought about it again, right? And now it's like the the heart, like the sought after items that a lot of stores are like making a lot of money off. So it like again, don't want to ruin your way, and it's kind of ruining mine to even think about like vintage gene and vintage unique i mean i guess uniqlo isn't as bad as the other ones or like what do you think about uniqlo you know uniqlo is great for what it is um i do believe that quality wise compared to h&m and zara especially um is definitely above and just because i think um what's it called i think their their mission statement and what they do compared to all those stores like Zara and uh, Sheen it's all by trends right so they do a lot of research to see what's trendy um, so once it's, the trend is gone clothes go straight to the thrift store right most of the time but for Uniqlo it's so kind of I'm not going to say generic just very simple that yeah. like part of this stuff could be incorporated in future fits and stuff like that so i when i do see uniqlo in the in the thrift stores i'm not like i i actually appreciate it a lot of the time it's actually still good quality but um you know like seeing like in the future yeah seeing sh like zara and sh more sheen stuff in the stores will make me ill <laughs> so when is zara the lowest of the low to you like is your least favorite zara yeah i mean i for for men at least it is just because the, the zara has a men's collection but as someone who also looks at the women's jackets and just helps my girlfriend look through things um like ardeen and any of the mall brand stores that are just like a, under six dollars like they're like uh they're like a pest. It's it's starting to, it's starting to show way more, um, and it's not good. 
the earlier I, I should have asked when you said this but i was just trying to like remember to ask later you were talking about like a lot of people kind of like at the markets and stuff they all sell similar items how about like when you're at a thrift do you recognize other people looking like are you ever kind of like in a like a brisk race with someone like someone you recognize and you pull up at the same time and then are you kind of like racing to get to the cameras first uh let me let me tell you something so if i see someone with an arcteryx skull cap and carhartt or something in those terms baggy jeans with a pair of converse I'm looking at it. I'm seeing how fast they're going through the clothes. I'm like, I'm leaving. <laughs> Most of the time, I'm, I'm being, I'd be honest. If I see someone like, and they're in, a, especially when they're in a group, and it's like, you're like, damn, I'm too late. Because most of the time, like, you know, kudos for them because I'm giving them credit for the fact that they probably know what to search for, and I'm just way too late. If in that case, I go to the cameras and I leave. <laughs> If I'm, <laughs> um, yeah, I, I know I shouldn't be assuming, and there might be things that I might be missing, but if I see their basket is full, game over, man. Game over. I, I wonder, I, I hear, like, even when we used to go until now, I hear a lot of people, it's kind of like, uh, within the inner gossip of all these thrifters about what time of day is good for certain stores but is there any like truth to that because i've also heard that stores is gonna put out what they put out whenever there's enough to merit like stuff being put out so really any time is a good time to be thrifting do you know anything like is there peak days and peak hours i do think there is i'm just trying to think in my in my experience i would say so i would say that mornings generally they put stuff out but there's always going to be a guy there in the morning um i would say like for example um if i was there a little bit later if someone would have copped it i found a Miles Davis Supreme hoodie, like an all-over print one time. And I'm pretty sure if I was even there a little bit later, it would have been gone right away. So, and that was really early in the morning. Um, but I did like recently, like at night, like at six o'clock, find like a Canada Goose parka jacket, like at 6 p.m. when the store was full um, at a Valley Village in Mayfield. So like, it's so sporadic just because they do feel like you will see um, people filling the um, with like carts filling out clothes like the racks. So I would say the only probably uh, thing that would probably like time that would um, kind of make it a big thing is like maybe for cameras because I've never actually noticed them ever putting out cameras. So they might be doing it in the morning. So. Um, Maybe my tip would be always go in the morning, but like I said, this the stores are so random 
and I find I found the most random things at the most random times ever. Um, so I don't know. Have you ever been like trailing? Like someone, like you're saying, someone who you kind of think is is about to like beat you to everything you're looking for. Have you ever been behind them going through their acts and they've like skipped over something that when you get to it, it's just like, how do they pass on this? But whatever, good for you, bad for them. Or like, do they are they on it? Like, do people know? too much about what's out there and like no one's passing on anything i i think i think it really depends how young you are it's kind of hard to explain but like if you are in high school to maybe the age of 21 your grasp of vintage is probably very similar in the terms of you know carhartt's valuable you know obviously you know supreme is valuable any Stussy you will buy on the spot and stuff like that. And you, you wouldn't skip those items. But for me, a guy that kind of like was in the age of like when Haven was here and like, you know, all that stuff. Like, like recently, I found a neighborhood tea. And I was like, wow, that's crazy. I would have been not expecting that. And no one looked at it. But like a lot of these, a lot of these guys, they, you know, they don't, they don't shop at Haven or they don't shop at these big stores so they want to know um what what these what these japanese brands are so they would skip it um so that still gives me hope that if i found like a vintage like um vape wouldn't be the good example but like a like a like a pair of vintage uh, japanese denim like my chances are still pretty good compared to them um but yeah it, you know it, i think definitely age like uh, factors in in terms of like knowing how much you know for sure how I mean I know obviously the the world of clothing is much bigger than supreme but I feel that's kind of a good perfect example for this analogy but how how common is it to actually find a supreme piece at an Edmonton thrift oh it's not common <laughs> I've only found three, and two of them were the the high like the um just the blank tees, like you know like when they, like it would just be the small box logo on the bottom. Oh, I I actually wear the not not the flex at all. Just to <laughs> I, I wear those all the time. They're the best fitting tees. Yeah, they're awesome, right? They're all and I still wear them even though they're stained now, but. I did find that Miles Davis hoodie. And I sold it on Grail, if I remember correctly. But um, yeah, like it's not, it's not, it's not common. Like very, and the thing is as well, like going into this topic. So people don't talk about this a lot, but there is a lot of fake items at thrift stores. Like, yes, someone could be posting like, oh, I found a, a Supreme or a Bape hoodie and stuff like that. But the chances of it being fake, pretty high. And I think, you know, with, with social media in the terms of like getting that satisfaction from folks online, oh, this guy found a, a Bay putty that's real. That's so cool. Like, I'm going to start liking this, but it ends up being fake. You know, like it's all about image a lot of these days. But, you know, 
Um, I will never post anything that's fake. And, and like, if I ever post something, sorry, if I know something is fake, I'll never sell it. But if, if I posted something that's funnily fake, like if I see a really bad, clearly fake babe tea, I would post on my story. Um, but there's a lot of like ways to kind of authenticate stuff these days. And I have, I think I found the foolproof way of, of authenticating streetwear and vintage um, that I don't know if a lot of people like use and I, I don't know if they do, but um, Grailed has a wonderful way of authenticating clothes that I kind of abuse a lot. <laughs> Oh, like you can just use it on the fly. Like yeah. use it as if you were going to sell it through them yes. and you don't yeah. have to. And that's what I did with my Supreme. Um, that Supreme hoodie I found, I, I, I posted it. It's like, they, they're pretty good with knowing I posted all the things they needed. It was like, it's real. I'm like, oh, that's cool. Um, but, you know, like I said, a lot of the times when people find stuff, it's not real. And that makes so much more sense because I'm thinking of who would ever like it's insane that you found the Miles Davis hoodie because why would someone like even even if they somehow got it not resell you know just retail still not a cheap piece and then no even if like you were like over supreme you could obviously sell it for more than you would make just donating it but then yeah. if it was fake for sure it makes sense like if i uh, like i don't know why i would ever own fake vape but if i did i would just donate that right because there's no reason but donating real supreme and real babe seems almost like irresponsible at this point like everyone right. like my mom is my, my mom's great. She's not inherently cool. Even she would probably understand that Supreme is worth money. Right. Um, and you know what? I think there's this thing that people don't really talk about when it comes to finding authentic stuff. Is that what are the odds of this person like that that hadn't died? <laughs> and most of the time it's probably we don't know. But I've always I always had this thing in my head, it's like if they if they were smart enough, they probably would have sold it, or they didn't have a choice because they died. But, um, you know, it's 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 kind of crazy to think that you'll never know the story behind the clothes and the things we find. Um, but that kind of gives it a kind of a, a fun thing about it being passed on to you, and then you curate the history with it. Type. Yeah, that's like what I was joking about at the very beginning, like just inventing and insanely elaborate story about how the obama election merch made its way here that's like more fun than just knowing well unless you knew definitively that it was on a crazy journey to get here but just kind of making it up in your head seems more fun it is yeah for sure so i i think you you've already like definitely answered answered these questions in one way or another but i just have written down here and i think maybe it's a bad question but it could be interesting what is 
what would you say is the most valuable thing that you found and kept like the the best thing you found personally and then maybe it's the yeshiga but what's the best thing that you found that you were able to sell like what what the best personal item and the best flip um the best personal item for sure was the um yoshika t4 because i think these like this is like mint i'm actually look i'm touching it as we speak and we're looking at it and i think if i was on ebay recently i think they sell for like 700 800 which is crazy for a plastic camera that's not even metal i will never understand that. that's a thing that there's such a good like i I mean, still too expensive, but the the photos they take, that's great. You could justify that. But the build of it, like, I mean, I've had these things before. I've had friends that have had them. They can, like, pretty much just shatter if you drop them, like, onto the floor of your car. Like, they're, they're not... They're, like maybe the photos they take are worth eight hundred. The build is not worth nearly eight hundred. Right. Um. To say the the biggest thing I've sold, I wouldn't say it's the most valuable on my end, but it's probably one of the rarest things I've ever sold. Um. So I was at a value village, and I found this L.A. King's cap. It was like a um, just one of the vintage ones from the 90s and it was crumpled and i was like oh i'd buy this this is like five bucks so i remember a girl a reseller came up to me when we we're in line and she was like oh that's a great find i was like yeah it's cool i never thought of it i left it in my car for like a month so i was on white and i was like let me see if this is worth anything um so I went to from another and I was talking to Daniel, one of the guys there. And he looks at it. He looks at me, goes back to the back room and says, comes back to me, says, this is one of the rarest hats we've ever found. As a reference, this hat had its original tags on it. So I was like, oh, cool. Like, how much is it worth? And I knew how, like, I knew by how he asked me, I think he asked, how much do you want for, for it? And I was like, I've never been asked that before. And I was like, is this worth a lot? It's like, yeah, if we could fix it, because it was really crumpled. Um, and they gave me 250 for it, if I remember correctly, for a for a hat. Um, and I think you know, they fixed it and whatever that might, that might have taken a lot of time and they sold it for way more. But you know, that's like a diamond dozen. Like finding something like that is like those things are like the coolest things. Like finding something that is like just like part of history per se, and it's like worth a lot to collectors, is pretty cool. Other than that, um, so I have this nickname. Uh, so I'm my nickname is the Bastard King of Valley Village, but I'm also known as well for the Bastard King of Office Chairs. Because I've had really good luck of reselling office chairs from thrift from thrift stores, and I one time found a Herman Miller chair, and I sold it for a lot. <laughs> that did as soon as you said office chair, Herman Miller popped into my head. So that 
what, what chair was it? Like what model? It was the Aeron. Oh, crazy. Well, see, like that type of stuff seems like, how would you not know the value? Especially like someone who owns that chair, I think would know most the value of that chair. So to like donate it and then have them like market for a quite an affordable price and then put it on the floor it just seems like they should someone along the process should have known better but i've worked out for you i guess and then whoever bought it from you what what was like that if you remember what was the the markup like ish on that like what did you pay I think I paid twenty twenty five, and I sold it for six hundred. I think, or something like something crazy like that on Facebook or on. And did I mean that profit is is nice? You know, it's easy to like justify selling it, but did you ever? Think about keeping it for you. Oh, let me tell you a story though. So, I work in an office. So, um, during the time when you know when a lot there was a lot of like layoffs and stuff like that. So most offices have like when these things happen, there's like a kind of a, a chair sale. So they they call me the like the chair guy in my in my end because during COVID, um no one wanted to come in they weren't allowed to so they were selling chairs and a lot of people didn't buy chairs so i was able to get a lot of herman miller chairs so i i'm sitting on one right now i gave one to my brother-in-law for free and my girlfriend has one at the moment that she doesn't use um so we're kind of stacked at the moment with chairs but that that's incredible that's uh one of the i don't i don't get jealous that much but hearing that i mean i i wish me and my friends and family had an abundance of herman miller's as well that's funny so you're like i thought you meant like in thrifting a few people knew of you as a chair guy this extends into your like work life as well that pretty awesome to be known as the chair guy in like different lanes of life yeah it's funny because like yeah like i love searching for furniture and office chairs are definitely one of the first things i look for i realized like wait a second what do i look for it's like i like to look for office chairs like i sold a like a steel case chair um and stuff like that so and i do have a theory of why a lot of these chairs came into the market and why a lot of people have kind of um have donated them because a lot of people work at home and if they got laid off they don't want to keep the chair so they just donate it so um during a certain period of time maybe the past two years there was a movement of folks just donating their herman miller chairs to thrift stores which is kind of crazy to think about it because they don't they don't really know the value of these chairs um so it's a little crazy, especially since like, for example, we, you know, when my company was selling the chairs, they were selling it for $20 a piece. 
So you can imagine. <laughs> you you can you can imagine why I I got I got a lot of shares. <laughs> yeah, that I mean that's insane. I uh I mean at that price I'm surprised you didn't like open a warehouse and buy them all. <laughs> yeah, I think I think they were like, you don't need these many chairs. I'm like, yes, I do. <laughs> if you um I mean, this is completely a shift of my questioning, but w- what's your guess on what is what's about to be trending in thrifting? Do you, do you know, or do you like even pay attention to like what's going to be the new like thing that kids are trying to find, or is is there something kind of? already happening like a trend on the cusp right now that's a good question because i do pay attention and especially if you're a reseller and you do not pay attention to trends you're doing it wrong because trends do sell and it doesn't mean it has to be fast fashion it could just be something associated like for example jorts last year they sold out at thrift stores everyone was buying jorts it was quite crazy and they're like, what? So, and people predicted that and stuff like that. So I know with like a lot of the younger folks and stuff like that, we're all they're kind of into that Y2K skater, carpenter <laughs> kind of look right now with like core and stuff like that. And I think there will be an evolution of like, I feel like people are going to be starting to wear less um baggy jeans and um because i was just talking to um our friend mr casey ramen because he was actually looking for a pair of raw denim and we're talking about this and we're like i think raw denim is going to come back um just because of like the, the like i think just dark denim is is, is coming back into the kind of the, the limelight and i do think that in the next little bit, you're going to be seeing way more dudes with, with, with dark, like, you know, dark denim with Carhartt jackets and Arc'teryx beanies. Um, other than that, I'm trying to think of another trend that would be kind of be in my head. Uh, I know that, like, a lot of people on, on Instagram Explorer page are really good with kind of predicting what is, what is going to be, what's going to be the new thing, but um, you know, the past three years, trends for dudes haven't changed change that much. Um, especially with like vintage is so popular right now that I think it's like will stick for a while until some celebrity starts wearing something different. Like you know when 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 Kanye wore a certain style, it was really popular in twenty sixteen, and now Jacob Elordi and all these all these actors are starting to wear Carhartt. So. Um, I don't know. I, I do think that, you know, Gorbcore, like everyone right, our characters, I think we're at the peak of that right at the moment. And because of that peak, um, actually going into this is funny. Like, Arcter- finding any Arcteryx in the thrift store is considered like a holy grail, especially a shell. Um, so, like, pe- what people are desiring trend-wise is what people are trying to look for. So, Baggy jeans, arcteric shells, and arcteric. I keep even mentioning these arcteric beanies, but you know, it's popular for a reason and just trending for a reason, I guess. But you know, 
Yeah. Now, is it uh, like how possible is it to find Arteryx at Thrift? Like, I assume a bit more possible than finding Supreme, but like, it's still probably pretty hard, right? Oh, it is. I found my partner our terrace jacket in the women's section. Um, but other than that, I've only knew a handful of people that have ever found our terrace in the in, in at the stores. Um, I know a few people that found our terrace at the Goodwill bins, but you know, it, it's just something like you know the quality of our terrace is so good. Why would you donate it? Like, like it, 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 you know, the, the brand, the brand kind of states itself as being something that will last you a long time and you should keep this because it's sustainable and stuff like that. So seeing our tariffs in, at the thrift is very rare because of their brand. Like they're known to be something to be kept. What about like other similar, like is North Face like easier to find than our tariffs? I would say yes. Um, I see, oh, I see it definitely way more. Um, but the thing about North Face is that that brand is, I would say, more Arcterics and North Face, I, I believe, are in two kind of different places in the terms of their branding. North Face is more home, home style, I think. Arcterics is more like a move, more for movement and like just like activity. Like, I wouldn't see a guy with a Nupsy hiking, but I would imagine a guy in Arcteryx's puffer to be hiking. So I think because of that, there is, there's more North Face in the stores. Um, doesn't mean it's not valuable. If I see a Nupsy in one of those puffers, it's worth a lot of money still. I found a baby blue one for my girlfriend one year. And um, still one of proud moments of finding that, but, you know. It's going to be harder and harder to find these brands in the future, for sure. Like we, I lived in a moment of time where it's still available, and it's still available now. But five, ten years from now, it's going to be like a distant memory. <laughs> yeah, I wonder if uh, everything is just going to keep. You know, the same thing's going to be thrifted year after year, and the price is just going to keep, like, going up and up. And, you know, like, an upsy now is worth whatever next year is worth more and more, especially if, like, I, I assume North Face won't stop making upsies, but if they ever do, then that will drive the price up and the demand up, too. So, like, what do you think about the same sort of stuff, just, like, gaining monetary value, but, like, it's just the same stuff offered year after year? Like, is are we going to get stuck in that cycle of it all being sort of the same thing, just getting more and more rare and expensive? Yeah, you know, I think... It doesn't go down it only goes up that's i think my the, the slogan i've been kind of but you know and, and to a degree it does show that people do care about quality but is this about quality or is just about hype like are you copying this 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 thing because you like it or is this what was trendy on instagram that you liked 
And are you selling it now because you want to buy something better or are you selling it because the trend is out? And, you know, we just, that's the kind of the society we live in right now in terms of like rare pieces in our tarots and stuff like that and just like general uh, fashion. So it's, um, it is what it is, I would say. Uh, but yeah, yeah, I was going to say it's inevitable. Really, you like talk, discuss like either end of it, but nothing will change really. It's kind of like big enough that it's just sort of like operating under its own like rules at this point. Yeah, for sure. And when, like, when, if, if you've been in this for longer than I even like thought when we initially started talking, so what? What are some of the like main differences you've seen like over the years? Is it just like the cost of things going up, and like I'm sure you've seen trends come and go. Like, are, are any of the video games that you were looking for when you started all this are they coming around like full circle as well? Like, are those things in demand now? Like they were like. 20 years ago i'll say this that video collecting video collect video game collecting nowadays is impossible <laughs> it, it it is i don't know whatever happened in the past five years six years but like it's become like that hobby is is so niche and everyone and their mom knows what pokemon is for example so they're able to price, like if one person, for example, lists a game for 120, where realistically it's worth 40. But if someone else sees it on Facebook saying, oh, just someone another listing for 120, I'm going to list it the same. So I think that mentality has been kind of tainting um, not just the video game community, but like just reselling community in general. Um, so like... If you ever started now, good luck with with video game things because it's just the prices are outrageous. Like, I went to a bit, I went to um, a value village today and I just looked at the games and was look very quickly just looking at it. It's like this is really bad. <laughs> There's like nothing, and all the all the things like all the like the games worth something are always in the glass, and they're worth like forty dollars, and you're like, hmm. Wasn't this donated? And in the, in, the, in, the, in the top of your head, you have to remember, like, all of these things came to this corporation because of donations. And especially since Value Village is a for-profit company, it's kind of outrageous that thinking even now that they're able to, to list these items for this price and no one bats an eye, you know? Uh, especially since, like, you know, back then, like, Value Village used to be cheap, um, like these stores used to be very affordable. Like I went to the Mayfield Goodwill recently and all their shoes were, the minimum was like $20 for a pair of shoes there. And that's outrageous considering like a lot of these conditions of these shoes are garbage. And, and it doesn't matter. It's just by brand. No. And it's just like, there isn't a quality inspector to, to see any any of this kind of going on so over the years definitely i would say um the quality of the things have been going down 
but also just the pricing. The pricing is literally outrageous. Like I wouldn't be surprised if in the next five years if I decided to go cold turkey and just stop doing this because of like I'm not buying an Angry Bird shirt for thirty dollars. <laughs> you know? You've like you've thought about it before though. It's, it seems like I mean you've been doing it for so long, right? It would just feel like kind of a, a complete like void in your life if you just stopped going. But like have you thought about that and thought about what it would be like to not I mean, I guess you would get an hour each day to do something else. Yeah, you know, like thrifting is something that's so it's so embedded in me. It's something like so second nature. Like if it would be it would be weird if I didn't go, but you know, it's it's not it's not always a bad thing to start new hobbies. Like climbing, I would start climbing if someone taught me how to climb and to make me stay away from a thrift store. Um, but you know, but then I wonder would would you be hitting the thrift after climbing, looking for all the climbing stuff that people aren't <laughs> looking for yet? It might just open up like Pandora's box. Like you might have one more thing you're looking for now, and might like you would take on another hobby and thrift just as much. That's true. There's there's nothing there's nothing bad about having two hobbies for sure. But you know, I think yeah, if I ever stopped thrifting for sure it would be it'd be weird. Like it's like, you know, there's an image, I don't know if you know Wes, you've seen it Wes, but like there's a guy like and he's like mining for diamonds and he stops and he turns around and he's about to hit the jackpot type thing. And it's basically like that's like what every thrifter's mentality is, especially mine. If I don't like, if I don't go to the thrift store, I'm going to miss something. Um, I, there's always like there's always something that you randomly find that could be worth something of value to myself or to someone I know. Um, so that mentality is definitely something that that pushes me. The thrill of the hunt is so. I'm not a gambler of any sort, but this is the closest thing to gambling, I guess, in my head. <laughs> yeah. The, the... Funny you said that. I I can relate to that in the way like I I constantly take photos, and I'm actually sort of hunting for a good photo, and I maybe never, very very rarely do I get the photo, but I like pursuing the photo like um it makes me want to take more photos because there might be a good one at some point it sounds like you like thrifting consistently because there might be a good find but even if you're not finding it or it's really rare to find it you like pursuing the fun yeah it's like the idea it's the idea like thrills me it's hard to explain like anyone who thrifts will understand that like there's always going to be days of l's uh, where you find absolutely nothing but even that one hit in two weeks feels great like even if it's like something minute like something like oh i was looking for this or something like that like it gives you like a sense of hope that there is something you could find at a thrift store for much cheaper and that you need it than like a big corporation. And I think that just uh, 
kind of fuels a lot of people's like desire to thrift, including me for sure. Yeah, I I could have worded that sentiment better. I'm I'm just thinking like if like basically hunting for those photos keeps me shooting photos and it's the fact that they come so rarely that's what sort of drives me to keep doing it like do you personally feel if you like found something of value more often would that make you want to thrift less because it's easier or is it not like you don't think about that way No, I, I see what you mean. Like, if I kept on finding good stuff, I'd probably go less because I, I'd be confident enough to know that I could find the stuff. But if I go, um, if I go less, but I do find that one thing, it feels like it would, it would drive me to go more. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I feel like if I knew how to take good photos, I wouldn't have the drive to go out and try to take good photos. It's gonna, it's weird. I don't know if I've ever even like really thought of it that way, but now that this conversation is kind of forcing me to think about it that way, that might be the driving force behind it all, just trying to get get that photo that hasn't even come yet like i guess i mean you already found the yashiga and stuff you've definitely hit just not that's what i was saying before too i think a lot of people think it's like every day or every every couple days at least you'll like find the equivalent of a t4 and everyone i know who does this with any consistency says It's not even remotely close to that. It's like once in a lifetime, you'll like you've only ever found one T4, right? Yeah, and you know, I'm still, and to me, like, I find the T4, and I'm like, that's not enough. I need something bigger. Like, there's something in my head that says, I know I'm capable of finding a context T2. I know I am. I can find one, but I just be patient enough and just the luckiest man alive in Edmonton. But, you know, a hopeful dream for sure. But, like, my mentality, because I found the T4, makes me believe that anything is possible if you just be consistent in it. When you say consistent, like, how many days a week are you going? <laughs> That's a good question. Um, uh, I would say I go four times a week. People would assume more. But I feel like when you go to the same store, a lot of the stock stays the same. But there's always the moments where it changes and stuff like that. So um, I would say, yeah, I go to four, four to four to five times a week. And I go to, I change it up. So I would go in one week, I would go to like four different Goodwills and Valley Villages. So I would go around the city, um, maybe a little too much. I've been to every, every, I've been to every value village in Edmonton. I mean, no, I've been to every thrift store in Edmonton, which is crazy to think, even like the small ones, um, which is like thinking of it now is literally insane. <laughs> Do you, 
I asked before if you recognize, like, fellow thrifters, but how about, like, the staff? Are you on good terms with any of the workers? Yeah, the, the, it's so funny because one of them actually, like, sees me a lot. And she would just, like, was like, oh, you're here again. I'm like, hmm, is that, is that a compliment or... Or, or are, you, are you insulting me? Like, I have no life. But <laughs> I take it as a compliment. But, you know, um, I had a friend of mine who used to who used to work at Valley Village. She would, she would like, stalk. And she would, um, if she had something on the rack, she would actually give it to me. Like, oh, this is a nice Carhartt hat or whatever. I'm like, well, thanks. So I don't get that benefit anymore. But, um being friendly to the staff definitely helps, I'd say. I mean, you should always be friendly to any staff of any establishment, but um, they definitely know who I am for sure. <laughs> and that's like the dream hookup, right? I'm sure like all these thrifters wish they knew someone who would set aside the good stuff for them. And that's probably super rare these days as well. Especially because I feel like if they're going to set it aside for you, why not just set it aside for them? Right. See, my, um, my ex, her, her uncle was the manager of the Goodwill bins in the West Side. So we, never we actually haven't really talked about this, I realized. So the Goodwill bins is like, I would say, where 99% of the resellers and thrifters go. It's like their main job. Like they would be there from beginning to end, going through these bins, sometimes finding nothing, sometimes finding um, really cool shit, like not just clothes. Um, so yeah, my, my ex's uncle worked there. And if, if, if he was, if I still knew him, I probably would have had a, a great hookup <laughs> finding vintage uh, Cure shirts and, Smith shirts probably, but you know, you have to take you have to take it what it is, I guess these days. I I hear a lot of of people talking about the bins. I I should have asked this earlier. Well, are they like actually the only um on like is it true that they just put out whatever is in the shipment? Because I know a lot of people say they like it that way because it's the only true. Like, they aren't going through and sifting out what they think they can sell on their own. It's like a true, this is what's in our truck, and now it's in the bin, and here you go. Basically, it's like all the clothes that are just, like, they didn't get through the goodwill process of, like, being okay to be on the racks. Um, So, like, that's why you would see a lot of vintage shirts, like, a lot of, like, rags like really raggedy vintage shirts there um but that that place is that place is something like since we haven't really talked about that like i i do not like going to the bins personally i think it's dirty i think it's it's filled with with the most competitive dudes out there it's always the same guys thrifting it's always it's either dudes that have markets or it's um, dudes that sell to uh, businesses and stuff like that in bulk. But it's like, I would, I would compare it to a zoo. Because <laughs> everyone is like, 
just grabbing stuff the moment you hear tapping from the person putting the bins out it's a free-for-all and you just grab what you could see basically um but you know kudos for the guys who can do it every single day it's very hard because i can't imagine being there for for nine hours and not finding a single thing um but their margins are really good there like because generally how it works in the bins is that they pay by weight so if you found 10 t-shirts it would be like five dollars and stuff like that but um what they would do is that if you had a market, for example, right, you would notice, I don't know if you ever noticed this to us, but like a lot of these markets, like these third places have like a $10 rack and stuff like that, like really cheap items. If they bought it from the bins for $5 for 10 shirts and they're listing it for five to $10 each, that's insane. And that's what they've been doing. Um, I don't know if I should be talking about this, but whatever, screw it. Oh uh, yeah. That's, that's definitely how these, these guys are, like, even if you sell, like, a really dusty-looking shirt, like Elton John shirt for $10, they buy it for a quarter. That's a huge markup. And, the, I mean, sort of seems, like, unethical in a way, but they're also saving the shopper time from going to the bins themselves, right? If they want that shirt. It's, 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 it's a hard place. Like, I honestly would not recommend people going there. As, a, as, as someone who's been there multiple times, like I've had, like, let me tell you, there was a guy, I was, I grabbed a jacket. So generally, you know, people are nice there, I would say, like, but there's sometimes there's, there's moments where people become chippy. I remember I grabbed a Carhartt sweater. I grabbed it for sure. I was first. I grabbed the hood. This other kid grabs the other end and he starts pulling it. I'm like, I grabbed it first. And he starts chipping away at me. And I'm like, dude, I grabbed it first. And he just starts becoming really, really snarky about it. So like that, that's the type of thing that you would deal with there. Like I've seen like physical, not physical fights, like verbal fights there between women um, over like Lululemon and Carhartt, which is crazy. Like to think that, you know, like people are so adamant on getting the thing that, can make them ten dollars like it's kind of crazy i mean it's yeah it seems weird to me but also thinking like if this is their their full-time thing they have to protect it in in one way or another but there i mean i i'm pretty outside of this entire world and even i am quite familiar with the idea of the bins Right, so I wonder how many people are trying to get get a slice of this pie, right? Like, eventually, will there just be too many people trying to make money off the bins, or is it always enough stuff? There's way too many. There's way too many people in the kitchen, and there's not enough ingredients. That's what I've been saying. Um, it's it's that place is, is is interesting i'm telling you like it's just like a cesspool of like different communities and there's like there's like elderly women there looking for lululemon to sell to facebook or there's like there's women selling like picking up clothes to bring back to their home countries a lot of the time they're very nice but you know 
it's that's a place that if you really wanted to see how people how thrifters thrift and like the, how they take it seriously you would go there i i think uh i'll personally be avoiding that place i've <laughs> heard i mean what you're saying plus i've, I've heard other people kind of comment on the situation as well i i think i can safely say that i won't be going there anytime soon but i'm also a little part of me is curious i just want to see it like i i wonder if netflix will ever be able to make like a, a documentary about the bins that would be crazy if you know if i was if i was um there was a show called uh storage wars and um, I don't know if you remember that show where like they, these guys would just bid on storage units and they yeah. would like sell it. I would love to be in that like that type of scenario, just like be one of the guys just like uh, selling stuff or like just bidding on stuff. That'd be really funny. That actually seems like something that should exist. Like some Gen Z that works at Netflix should have presented them with that idea. Yeah. There's um Sean Witherspoon of uh of what's it called round two. I think he was trying to do a show or something like that. Um, but there's no one really doing something like that. Like there's YouTubers that can talk about thrifting, but it's always the same thing of like I found a Carhartt jacket. Okay, like like but like show me the goods, like show me the urn, you know, <laughs> like, show me something interesting. Like yeah, oh, found a skull at the thrift store. Oh, that's weird. Like, that's like content I would do. Like, um, like people like when people post like when I post my on my story thing, people always tell me it's like you know your story is very interesting because it's like it's just very sporadic and just you post what you feel and you and you and you have an idea of what people would like. It's like yeah, because if I posted a vintage shirt, that's boring. If I, if I if I posted like someone's kidney in a jar, <laughs> that would be interesting, you know. <laughs> I I absolutely agree with you. It's funny. I I don't even think I've said this in in the whole talk, but I really appreciate watching your story and seeing the way you like curate the items that you're like showing because I have other friends and acquaintances. That will post exactly, you know, like vintage Simpsons tea and things that I'm I'm sure they're really into and a lot of their followers might be as well. But to me, it's like, yeah, we, we know these things are at thrift stores. This is a bit too on the nose. But then you're like the only one I see getting having a somewhat active account, but you're showing like, vacuum cleaners and uh like la crusette pens and stuff like it's not not what the average person is trying to like post about yeah and i I think it's just because i like things like i i think i desire like i have this thing of like i just don't like thrifting i just love deals and i think going to thrift store is always the, the biggest deal of life in the terms of you'll always find you'll always be cheaper generally than, than like going to a retail store. Like I would post, for example, like you probably noticed, like I found um, Aesop soap 
at like a winner's. And I was like, that's cool. Like you'd post that, share it to the homies. If someone wants to buy some soap, feel free, right? So I, I, I like sharing that type of stuff. It's like a community thing. A lot of people that like would add, like if I posted something on my story, for example, um, I would always, if they want it, feel free. If someone, they want to buy, if they want me to buy it, then they just pay me back. It's all good. I, I like the idea of like these things being, I like the idea of these things um, being brought to people that actually want it or need it or would like it. So I'm always so open to kind of like tell people where things are. I don't like gatekeeping anything. So um, for the people, for the community, I say. Yeah, which I mean, I I get the sense of that from seeing the type of things you post and I really... The gatekeeping could not be a better descriptor. I feel a lot of people, you know, they wouldn't, like, show people where they could access that. They would just want to get it all for themselves and then try to sell it or whatever. Mm -hmm. But I I think part of that maybe is because this isn't your full-time thing, right? It's like you, you'll buy a couple of subs for your own... Like, just to keep a couple on ice at your apartment, but then after that, like, you might as well post it so your friends can get a couple, too. A lot of people wouldn't really approach things that, like, freely. Yeah. Like, I would never pay us, like, oh, pay me $5 to get this information. That sounds so stupid. It's like, it, it takes it takes zero effort to kind of just be kind to someone in the terms of if they're asking for something that like oh where did you buy this hay soft oh it was at the winners at Tamarack. Um, but some people are very gatekeepy, especially some thrifters. Like, like you would ask them like, well, like what location do you go to? They won't tell you or something like that. It's like I could tell you exactly what thrift stores I went to, and each like I could tell you each benefit of each thrift store if, if someone just asked me. I, I like the idea of like people finding things for themselves. I mean that that's partially why I like the idea of this conversation too, because I feel it's a little rarefied to have someone like I mean, you didn't really give away any secrets. I feel the info like you know, praising you for your curation also goes to this talk. You didn't really like give away anything people couldn't find out. On their own, but I feel just having a conversation with someone thrifting like you are might be a bit rare. So I was excited to be able to sit down mm-hmm. and like ask random questions and get like the insight from someone who's kind of in the inner circle of all these things. Who, as as we're saying, isn't just like talking about Carhartt and Lulu at the bins. Right. Yeah, it's... um. I ever told you this is my first podcast. I've never actually spoken on like a, on this format ever. <laughs> yeah, you're good at it. Actually, it's funny. A lot of people who who this is like their first experience. They they're good at it, but they maybe like talk over. You know, like we interrupt each other, which is fun. That's what editing is for. But I, I can say, like, even before editing, you've, you, like, say what you have to say and then don't, like, really interrupt. And that's that's really nice. It, it kind of 
if I had a guess, I would have said this is not your your first time in this type of situation, but hopefully not not your last either. Maybe yeah, uh, I, I would love to do another one, Ike. Maybe next podcast I do, I'll just talk shit about every thrifter. But nope, just kidding. <laughs> um, that actually, that's that's funny too. I I did. I was thinking this whole time, you've been. I mean, we know each other, but you are a positive guy. But you did. You haven't taken even one opportunity to kind of be negative to the whole thing. I feel. Even like me, maybe I don't know enough about thrifting to ever like talk about it with this authority. But if you got me on a podcast to talk about like photos or something, even though I would probably seize a moment to like kind of talk shit on some of the stuff I see happening. So it's commendable that you you haven't done that. If um, the thing is, if I ever had thrifting ops, they would hunt me in the store. <laughs> Like, oh no yeah true i guess yeah like you were saying before you have to like see a lot of these people and a lot of the staff day to day so maybe yeah. it is better not to like poke any of the bears i mean also at the fair like a lot of them are super nice like the, the people i know in the community are great guys um so like there's not much it's only like like the dudes that i randomly like I I I see at the bins or like just there was like there was a kid one time that was just like uh, how do I explain this? He was tailgating me in the thrift store. Like he would be I, I was starting in one one thing. He would go behind me, and he was matching my speed of how I was moving the clothes. Then if I was too slow, he would go on my left and do it. And what I did, I went to his left. So we kept on like, going back and forth. And I stopped and I was like, are you serious right now? <laughs> I was like, are you really doing this? Like, relax. I, I think I said, like, dude, you need to relax, man. It's all good. Like, whatever. If you if you find whatever you need, it's all good. But, like, you know. <laughs> he was just trying to learn from the goat. <laughs> I don't know about that. But that was that was something. So I I commend the kid for he's a young guy. I commend the kid for like, for at least he noticed me. He's like, oh, he probably knows what he's doing. So he um <laughs> he just followed me. <laughs> That's funny. I uh, you know, I'm I'm looking at our our timer. I think I've I've kept you longer than I said I would. So I'll let you get back to your Saturday. I just have one. One question that I really wanted the answer to. I don't know if it's a good question or just like a filler question to end it off with. What have you, does one item stick out in your mind? Like what's the most absurdly priced item you've ever, like have you ever seen like just a ripped pair of cards for like $900 or a video game for like way more than it should be. Like, is there anything that really sticks out to you as like a very absurdly priced item? Yes, there was, oh my God, I was at, I was at Goodwill and they had a fake Rolex and they listed for like a thousand. It was one hundred percent 
fake. Like you could just tell. Like you know, um, but actually that was bad. But actually, sorry, I know the I know the worst thing I've ever saw. So this was three years ago, and I think there's still someone on Reddit talk that had a conversation about this. So I was at the Goodwill in Calgary Trail, and they had a, a pair of easy 750s. It was the boot. I don't know if you remember what that looks like by chance. Yeah, Wow. yeah, definitely. So he had he had it was a all it was the gray pair with like the like the tan sole. They listed it for like seven, eight hundred dollars. And it was it was obviously it was fake, but also they wrote in marker on the shoe. So I'm looking at the shoe and there's a guy behind me and he's like Oh, that's 100% fake. We're both looking at it like, this is not good. I we even told the staff, hey, this is not real. Like, whoever decided to list it, you're insane. So the next day or two days later, I see a Reddit post saying, the title's like, um, to the person who bought the Yeezys at the Calgary Trail Goodwill, these Yeezys are fake. And the guy bought, someone bought the shoes for its price. Um, and I was like, oh, I hope the thing is that Goodwill has a no return policy. So like he bought these shoes for like $800 and they're fake and he can't even return them. He could only get like, uh, uh, like store credit. I was like, oh my God, everyone in the comments were like, dude, why did you do that? That's, that's, that's the funniest thing ever. Did the guy that bought them like was he in in the Reddit talk? No, he wasn't. I really hope, I wish he was. Like, it was so funny. Like, I was laughing. I was like, no way. This, like, they were clearly, uh, they're clearly fake. Yeah. Uh, like, it was like something Well, like even, that. even if they weren't fake, you would think writing the price directly on the shoe might devalue it a little. You would think, right? And you're like, surprisingly. Surprisingly not. That's that's really <laughs> wow. I uh that was the that was the funniest thing because I couldn't I couldn't in my mind believe someone bought that. Like there's like numerous dudes that came in. Look, it was very noticeable. It's like it was in the glass case. I remember this glass case right by the door. It was like glowing. You know, it was like it was like oh, like who was donates this type thing and. I always, I've, I haven't seen anything that bad, but I've seen like similar things and I always think that that in a way is like a publicity stunt. Like I equate it to like how Starbucks, you know, like purposely they invent, like they had a marketing meeting where they decided they would start spelling people's names wrong. on the cups just so people would post about how badly they like botched people's names and i wonder like did value village know how insane that was but they like knew it would get its own like reddit thread talking about it but that i mean that's giving them a lot of credit you would kind of have to be like a marketing like genius to even come up with that yeah you would think right my goodness yeah
Uh, I guess people learn, uh, live and learn, and that's not my fault because I can't believe that dude bought that. I, 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 I was in shock when the next day it was gone. I was like, no way, someone bought this. Because I thought initially it was like, oh, they, they must have figured out that it was fake. So they just took it as like, no, someone bought it. Like, oh my. Well, if if anyone listening knows that person, I would would love to interview them on here. Oh, that would be that would be <laughs> such a good interview. Just like, what was your mentality on paying, spending eight hundred dollars in a pair of fake Yeezys at the Yeah, maybe it like really worked out for them. Like, we're seeing it as a negative, but what if, like, they they wore those shoes and then got like. Hire like a really high paying new job and they ended up like getting married. You think the guy's selling uh NFTs and crypto with those Yeezys on? You know, he's living the dream beyond me. Yeah, I th- actually, that's a way better assessment for sure. Whoever bought their shoes is involved in crypto, and so yeah, for sure. Well, all right, that I mean. Leaving on the note of fake Yeezys and crypto seems like the best exit for us. Oh, for sure, you know. Is I mean that that was awesome. I got to ask a ton of of really weird, dumb questions. Got the answers to all. Well, thank you for having me on your podcast. This is really fun. Yeah, yeah. Sorry for we're going over a bit, but enjoy the rest of your weekend. You as well. Thanks, Wes. Take care of yourself. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Uh, Have fun. I'll talk to you soon. Before you leave, I finished that role for the Kunika, for the big mini F. So if you, like anytime you're free, I could drop by your place and just drop it for you. D- you said you are done or almost yeah. done? I'm, do- I'm done. I-, I finished the role. Hmm. That's incredible. I yeah. Know. So anytime you're free, if you're ever, oh, if you're ever downtown going to Rosewood, I could drop it off for you. If you're any, if you're free anytime. Let me know. I'm I'm always I'm trying to actually be downtown going to Rosewood 
more than I have been lately. So, yeah, ne- next time I'm headed there, maybe I'll I'll shoot you a message. That'd be yeah. incredible to be able to. Yeah, it's uh, it. fantastic to give it to you. So, wow, that's. Yeah. You know what I actually hear before I'll obviously edit this out at the end, but how do you, how do I spell your last name? Oh, just for the title. It's G U J E L D E. Okay. So like same as on the email, right? I just didn't know if, if that was the Yeah, it's the same as the, Yeah, it's the same as the email, yeah. Perfect. I'll uh, I'll shoot you a message next time I'm lucky enough to be going to Rosewood. Thank you for for answering all these weird questions. Hopefully, uh, you don't find many more urns and don't <laughs> have to be burdened by the bins much more. But yeah, I, no. I do wish you more Herman Millers. Cheers. Yeah, I wish to find one again too. But um. Yeah, I will let you go. Have a good day, Wes, and take care. Yeah. Thank okay. you. Peace Talk out. soon.